You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. Hello and welcome to The Occupational Philosophers, a not-so-serious business podcast which mashes up creativity, curiosity, imagination and a little bit of philosophy. And this is an in-betweener episode, which is a short, sharp burst of goodness to enjoy with your cornflakes or something else. Simon, how are you? John, I'm well, I'm well, but really I'm looking at you. I can see you've been doing a lot of thinking. Would that be right? I have actually, Simon. I've been deep in thought, a kind of deep abstract thought. Anything you can help me with? Well, John, I'm not sure I can help you with, but abstract is a perfect angle into what I want to talk about today. And really, this is a a little bit of a history lesson. I want you to go right back, way, way back to 1973. In Australia, we're going to put a sound effect in there. We're going to put a sound effect in, sort of back in time, back in time, back in time. Nineteen seventy-three, when Skippy was our most popular program on television. Also in the UK, times were different. Men wore short shorts and long socks with ties to work. Australia did something that outraged much of the nation, and this is where I want to talk about the notion of abstract. Now, John, have you ever heard of the artist Jackson Pollock? I have heard of the artist Jackson Pollock. He's the chap who uh, throws paint all over the place and uh, in squiggly lines in a very, very random pattern. Yeah, absolutely. That's him, that's him. And known for his, I guess, a little bit of partying habits. He would often paint under the influence of uh, alcohol. And not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, and a portal. Well, I could see that from his paintings. Yeah. <laughs> so, but very, very abstract. No sort of form per se, as in I can see a something in that, or but very, very abstract painter with loads and loads of lines, splashes, and multiple layers of uh, paint, but also very successful in his own right. Now, in 1973, the Australian government bought one of his abstract artworks, Blue Poles, for a then record price of $1.3 million at the time, which was 2 million US, and brought it to the sort of the young, the burgeoning, uh, finding its voice, or at least its Western voice, I should say, because we've had a population, indigenous population, dating back 60,000 years, but it's Western voice, it's Western notion of culture, finding its cultural moments, and this was brought to Australia. What do you think the reaction was from other politicians or the media or the nation? <laughs> I'm going to guess, Simon, something along the lines of, what's this load of rubbish? Yeah, Somebody must you- have been drunk when they painted that. We paid what for it? Something like that? <laughs> now, really, if we could paraphrase that and put air quotes around it, that's pretty much what everyone said. Now, here's what I like about this story. This story is now front and centre in Australia's National Gallery, probably the most one of the most talked about artworks in Australia since 1973. And I believe it then went on display in 1979. So... Considering the outrage, this piece of, you know, junk, what is it? I don't understand it. I can't see anything in it. Me, 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 me. How much, have a guess, is what you think it might be worth now. Oh, gosh. I mean, I know. 10 million? 15 million? Keep going. Keep going? Uh, Yeah, way more, Uh, way more. Oh, um, 40 million. 
No. 50 million? 50 million. Times 50 million. No, 500 million Australian dollars. What? Okay, so. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, it was worth around 375 pre-COVID, but there was a a big spike in global sort of art prices uh, at the time. And at the time, even when we bought it, that was the most, I believe, ever paid for an artwork. But the outrage it endured, and now it's become, let's call it the unicorn, if we're talking, you know, technology Mm. and startup speak. It's like the unicorn of the Australian uh, art scene. So much so that in 2016, someone from the conservative side of politics with no love of art said, well, if it's worth that piece of shit is worth so much, let's sell it and pay down debt. Okay. <laughs> uh, t- to more uproar, but on the ad- on the other end of the scale. Now, John, what, obviously there's hopefully, well, hopefully you think there's some analogy here. It's a not so serious business podcast. What's the analogy between Jackson Pollock's Blue Poles and maybe the world of business? Mm, the world of business. Well, I suspect we've all had that moment where someone's said something in a meeting and they've went, what? What are you talking about? That is absolute rubbish. Get that out of here or something like that. And then it's gone on to be something quite significant in that organization's success and long-term future. Something like that? I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. No, I think so. Exactly so. And I've, I've made me think: How often have we had a a blue poles moment, either in our own life or our organisation, where something is presented which is outside our frameworks, outside our our blinkers, outside our ways of thinking? And you know, there's a fair bit of this goes on in the world as it is. But we go, we reach to outrage first because we don't understand it, we don't get it, we don't have a frame of reference for it. Imagine what mm. we're sort of cutting out possibility-wise by sort of leaping yeah. to that sort of space there. Yeah, and I think uh, it's that um, desire for certainty sometimes, which we've talked about many times, yeah. that certainty sort of shields you or cuts you off from opportunity and being curious and going outside said frameworks that we might be operating in because you want something that's well-bounded and understandable. Uh, and of course, there's, that's a natural instinct. But yeah, I think it's it's all about throwing off those shackles, as it were. But yeah, they're, difficult to do. They're, yeah, they're, they're absolutely difficult to do. But you think around putting on your philosopher's hat with this, John, let's say Blue Poles is presented. What would a good philosopher do when they see something they don't understand or that's beyond their immediate frame of reference? Mm, uh, well, they would be straight in there trying to connect it maybe to stuff that they already do know and then extend their thought from there. They would be asking questions about it. They would be starting yeah. to speculate around it, hypothesize around it, ask what if. Yeah, they would be quite excited by the idea of having blue poles presented to them because it would just spark their curiosity. Hey, which is what this is all about think around when something's presented that you don't agree with, you don't understand, instead of being a moment for you know, outrage or going, no, that's outside of my you know, way of thinking, think of it as a moment for curiosity. Think of a moment to ask some question. What do those, what were you um, thinking when you created that? What was behind it? What does this mean? What does it represent? Is there a greater story here that I'm not aware of? I'd love to know more. And of course, as somebody then says what's behind it, they might then find themselves in vehement disagreement with that person's 
ideas <laughs> and their motivation, etc. Because they might just think it's rubbish, but at least they've gone the step to ask the question. But what you're saying is often we don't even ask a question. We just go, yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't understand it. I'm not even going to attempt to understand it. I reject it. And look, art's a little bit different because it's okay to not like something and not understand something because we're all different, okay? So like it's maybe a little bit different to what might happen in the workplace, but I think the theory of that piece is good. It's like music though. We're going off another tangent, you know, you like the Beatles, I like the Stones, both of those are true. So uh, in that context, it's okay to see something and not enjoy it. But also we don't want to be shooting it down and ruling it out because think around, if you invested uh, 1.3 million in 1973 and it was now worth 500 million 50 years later, I think you'd be pretty happy. So think around, what are those opportunities that you're possibly saying no to that you could be a bit more open to? Yeah, I've got one, actually. I just think, uh, just go and buy some art. Yeah, <laughs> then sure. sit on it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this also is fraught there with a go, little guys. danger. Yeah. <laughs> In summary, I think the message here, Simon, which is a really good one, is keep your eye out for blue poles. If you see something that you don't understand, don't reject it straight away, but get curious, dive into that understand where it's coming from, what the motivation is, explore it. Now, of course, it's always a pressure because organizations are trying to be effective and productive and they want certainty and they want to move forward. And so having too many ideas that seem really left field, it's, it is quite hard. But just let the first reaction not be no rejection. I don't understand it. Therefore, I'm not going to engage with it. At least engage with the idea. Engage with the blue poles. And go find your Jackson Pollocks in your organization. Oh, there you go. There you go, John. How's that for a big uh, big mic drop at the end? (laughs) Who's creating blue poles in your organization that maybe you're ignoring? As always, what do we like to say? As always, Simon, we would say, stay curious, play more, have fun, make stuff, and date life.